from an array of highly secure top secret locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider, the podcast that for some reason is much better on the road than at home. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined as always by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot, B-Rider Tom Ringo Orsborn, and the polarizing Jeff McDonald. We are gathering after the conclusion of the longest homestand in San Antonio Spurs history, the local Cagers played nine games in a row in the friendly confines of the AT&T Center and won a grand total of two. What the heck happened, guys? They need a rodeo trip about now, I think. I mean, it, it would be an improvement as on, on what we just saw, right? Um, I, I know... We're going to get into a lot of the details of why this didn't work out, but is there kind of a Cliff's Notes version of what's to blame, how disheartening this might be for what's happening next, and kind of where they go from here? Well, mostly on this nine-game homestand, mostly they didn't play much defense, but sometimes they did, and on those nights they didn't play any offense. So I think you – and then some nights they didn't do either one, and those were the nights that were really bad. But in, in four of the last five games, they gave up more than 125 points. Two of those were overtime games, but still. Um, but they also lost games on this, on this homestand by giving up 197 points. So it was a little bit of everything, just, just – 197? 101 game and 97 in another. Oh. So they've also I lost see. games by being just unable to score. So it was just it was just sort of a a meltdown on every uh, on both ends of the floor. Sometimes at the same time, sometimes one or the other. But it was uh, I I kind of looked at it as sort of like whack a mole, where they you know they'd give up a bunch of points and then get that figured out, but then not be able to score, and then get that figured out, but then not be able to hold, you know defend anymore. And the end result is two and seven and and woof, just woof. That's all I can say. Pop says they're fried. Yeah, Pop says we look like we're fried. We just look tired. I'm I'm gonna be the 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 viewers here, and I know they're not viewers; they're listeners. But they're <laughs> they're screaming at their device right now. That's an excuse, Tom. Yeah. Stop making excuses. Stop well, making excuses, Pop. Uh, come come on, tell us the truth. Why do they really stink? I thought it was uh, valid, and then. Um, Saw a stat last night about Memphis, which has the same brutal schedule uh, uh-huh. in terms of number of games in in, in the time period remaining. And uh, since the All Star break, they're eight and seven, I believe. Spurs yeah. are like six and ten. Now I don't know. I you know you got to look at the makeup of the team, injuries, and all that. Uh, but. Yeah, that would bolster the the listeners, uh, uh-huh. not viewers, that are screaming right now. I love to to point out the polarizing Jeff McDonald's shortcomings more than just about anybody does. I mean, it's it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. But but one thing I should say is when people get upset with him and with Tom and with basically everyone on this podcast for making excuses about the team that we cover. Um, I, I just want to point out that kind of Jeff's job is to, is to explain things, is, is to offer explanations. And, uh, 
you know, I'm sure Nick Talbot wouldn't be too excited if Jeff turned in his game story and just said, you know, they stink. They're terrible. That's it. End of story. What his job is, is to offer theories, rationale, explanations for why they lost seven of nine games, for why things aren't coming together. And it's not about, oh, because you offer an explanation, you're making an excuse for this team. It, it might come off that way to some people. But I think what basically what you're doing is you're saying, look, they just played back-to-back overtime games. They're playing um, tied with Memphis, the toughest schedule of the second half. All these things can contribute to why this team might not look so great right now. Right? I mean, is that fair? Yes, that's fair. And I I'm, and I'm think I've made the point, too, that it's not the only thing. The schedule and fatigue isn't the only thing. All of these things are true. They're kind of an average basketball team that is not playing its best basketball yes. of the year. And is also being crushed by the schedule. Like it's all those things together. Yes. If they were a better team, the schedule wouldn't affect them as much. If they if they had a if they had an easier schedule, if they had some time off, they might win some of these games. So I think it's just a combination of all that stuff. Uh, if you're asking me why why were they playing so good, you know, a month ago, and now they're playing terrible. Well, one pretty obvious theory is that they are playing every other night or every night. And they've had some overtime games lately, and it's just and they've got guys out, and it's just all conspiring to catch up with them. And I think the the Memphis comparison is valid, but you know if you it's like someone told me yesterday, well Memphis has won six out of its last ten. Well, you can also pick a ten game spot since the All Star game where this uh, since since the All Star break where the Spurs had won six of their last ten. And I'm not going to be shocked yeah. at some point in the season. There uh, in the season to come, given what given what Memphis is also going to, I'm not going to be shocked if they have a stretch where they only win, you know, two out of nine games. I, I I'm not going to be shocked at that. I would also say that if the Spurs had John Morant, they would have won two more games on this on this homestead. I think I feel pretty good about that too. You can compare and contrast all you want, but the, the schedule is a thing. It is a thing, and. It's fair to say that we all sat here on this podcast when that schedule was announced and went, and, and the other people across the NBA did too. Other analysts, other other people that are smarter than smarter than us. How could anybody be smarter than us? Well, it's not that hard. Um, looked at that schedule and said, "Holy crap, this is this could be a problem." And so it shouldn't be a surprise that holy crap, it is a problem. I do also think that. Even if we we got rid of the schedule factor, even if we got rid of the injury factor, even if we got rid of the overtime accumulation factor, um, an argument could be made that for the first half of the season, the Spurs were kind of playing over their head and they were due to come down anyway. And, the, and so um, this could just be, as our old friend Mano would say often over the years, a, a regression to the mean and that even if they were playing a normal schedule, even if they had everybody, they weren't going to win at the same clip they did over the first part of the season. Um, the, the first half of the season was the, the Spurs being one of the pleasant surprises in the league. And, uh, you know, we knew heading into the year that they probably were going to be a fringe playoff team, a, a fringe 500 team. And that's kind of there. The water is finding its own level again. Uh, Tom, is there, speaking of water, is there a, a half full view of this well you know i I agree with pop too the inconsistency in in the lineup has has been a factor you know guys in and out and uh lonnie walker has been the common denominator during this this homestand he's been out 
pretty much the entire time except for the first game. Um, you lose you lose some scoring with him. You lose some energy with him. Diang went out. Uh, not not that that's the end all be all, but it's just it's just hard when you're 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 constantly shuffling things and and you're missing a key guy. Uh, you know that that factors into it. Pop said that Lonnie will be back on this road trip. Should be, hopefully, will be. Fingers crossed. So that that should uh, that should give him a little bit of a boost. And uh, Diang is back. Um, so yeah, I, I think they'll I think they'll you know get back on the right path, get their minds right, and uh, get back on the right path. That's, that's how long this past week has been. When we when we met in the secure locations a week ago. We were talking about how Jimmy Bonham had ridden off and, and grabbed some replacements. And one of them was, was Gorgie Jing. And then since then, like immediately he yeah. gets his shoulder beaten and it's his first few minutes as a spur and is out for several games and now is back. But that was, I mean, that was the reinforcement and he didn't last one trip onto the floor basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. Has, has Nick done any studying of Texas history over the past week, by the way? I know we've been overwhelming him lately. Uh, no, between the Valero Open, the national championship game, the nine-game homestand, I have not been able to brush up on my Texas history, unfortunately. Now, if, you you know want, many- if you want to talk comic books or uh, or Star Wars or NBA basketball, I, I am well averse on those things. But the Alamo, okay. I am still there in the void. How would Luke Skywalker have done at the Alamo? <laughs> If they had Luke Skywalker at the Alamo, they would have fared much better. I think we need to do like 20 minutes on the Battle of Goliad. They did not have any Force Ghosts to help them either, which, you know, well, maybe they did have some Force Ghosts, and maybe that's why they lasted so long. There's a new theory. Wow. Do you want to play Does Jeff Know right now? Because the answer is no. <laughs> Jeff knows nothing about Star Wars. It's very disappointing. Very disappointing. Oh, I, I saw the, I, I saw the, the movie with uh, Mark Hamill. I believe that's his name, Mark Hamill, and uh, the, the Indiana Jones fella. Like I saw, saw those movies uh-huh. as a kid. Here, here um, we go. Does Jeff know who Grogu is? Jeff does not know who that person is. Uh, is that a? Uh, is it some sort of Hobbit? That that is Baby Yoda. That is Baby Yoda. Oh, okay. Yoda's the little <sighs> green fella. That's the real name of Baby Yoda. There oh. we go. Jeff, Jeff, does Jeff know for the week did not go very well. It, it's Star Wars knowledge is not good. So that's 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 his that's his that's his real name. But like when he he meets girls, he just calls himself Baby Yoda because it's just absolutely because he's adorable. So Baby Yoda works much better. Okay, so like in a in a bar pickup situation, he's Baby Yoda. Way way back when, when we were uh, uh, all at the office uh, and we had, you know, when life was normal, Uh uh, we, we often got books. You know, we get books sent to us left and right. Right. For review. And I picked one off our fine Metro reporter, Scott Huddleston, who who has covered the Alamo and the mm-hmm. efforts to uh, revamp it, remake it. There's a book called Exodus from the Alamo, the Anatomy of the Last Stand Myth. And for wow. for a guy who grew up in, in San Antonio and, you know, as a kid was mesmerized by the Alamo, that was a real eye opener. I highly recommend that book. What what myths were busted by this? Well, basically, there was no last stand, and what? They, what? Oh, okay, I don't like these attempts they, to rewrite history. The the uh, <laughs> sounds like cancel culture. They're canceling Davy Crockett. The 
you know, the, the, you know, we all joke about, was there a back door at the Alamo? Well, there was, and it was, it was wide open. Uh, and, and they fled out of it in, in, in mass, uh, during the battle. And it, it was a, you know, it was a no brainer really. I mean, why, why stay? Uh, yeah. and they were trying to get on the road to, uh, Gonzales and, uh, which goes through the, you know, the road still exists here in San Antonio. Uh-huh. And uh, they were cut down by the Mexican cavalry. Wow. And, you know, it's something that's not, it, this author did a great job of explaining all of that, uh, that, you know, there, there was no last stand. There was no Davy Crockett swinging the, uh, you know, the, the uh, musket. And uh, trying to blow the place up and all that, so it's just, it's well, this just changes everything. It does. It does. It does, Mike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that that documentary I saw with saw with John Wayne says different. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hell of a movie. Just a hell of an entertaining movie. Not factual, but it's it's entertaining. Yeah. So, with that being said, is there a back door to the AT and T Center? <laughs> yeah. And should should this team continue to? to fight this out and make a last stand or is it time to just um kind of think about lotteries well, and and whatnot rudy rudy and damar indicated last night they're going to go down swinging no no <laughs> no exodus from the uh at&t center was there a line in the sand well pop is too busy with politics right now to draw that line <laughs> oh, in the no. sand. he's very distracted oh, no. he's very distracted <laughs> and i say that with tongue firmly planted in cheek, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Um, oh no. I'm gonna get so many phone calls on that one. Oh, no. oh, we just lost. We just lost a viewer. We're gonna skip across that and look at the uh, what is coming up. The likelihood that that the Spurs can turn this around and. It should be said that as poorly as they have played on this homestand, it's not like everybody around them is going all gangbusters. Uh, the, the Golden State Warriors also have lost seven of their last ten. Um, and right now, the Spurs still, after the worst stretch of the year, one of their worst stretches in recent memory, especially at home, uh, a two-and-a-half game lead on the 11th place New Orleans Pelicans. Now the Pelicans look like they might be playing a little better than the Spurs these days, but um, if if this has been a blip on the radar screen, and I know there was no radar at the Alamo, but if this has just been a blip and the Spurs get past this, it seems like they, they could be still in that running for the, the play-in tournament at the end of the year. I mean, they could be in the running, but have you looked at their schedule? This is the first I'm hearing of a tough schedule. Like, this, like even Demar said in the middle of his home, middle of his homestand. Demar says, like, "Yeah, this would. This, we haven't even got to the tough part yet, and they're two and seven. Like, I don't, there's no right. place where they're going to. Number one, it's not just that they're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time with no rest. From here on out, a lot of games in a short amount of time with no rest against the best teams in the league. There, there's not really yeah, a stretch right. where they're even getting. There's one maybe stretch at the end of this month." Where they're getting a, 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 some some sub five hundred team, but at, but you know so, it's so, three against Phoenix, it's two against Utah, it's um you know that they, they go from here from this this terrible homestand, they go to Denver for two, you know there's just not a there's they've got Philadelphia still to come, they've got another game against Milwaukee, 
they've got the they've got the in terms of strength of schedule they have the second toughest schedule remaining so it's not they're going to have to beat in order to hold on to 10th i think they're going to have to beat some really good teams and can they do it i guess but not the way they've been playing getting healthy will help i suppose yeah. can yeah. i posit a uh, a theory that might uh, be encouraging for those who, who, who are hoping for a turnaround. Always making um, excuses. Go for I, it. I would, I, w- I would say that everything that you just mentioned is absolutely correct. And there is a potential for things to get much worse before they get better. But I would also posit that part of the problem over the past couple of weeks is not just the physical fatigue which absolutely is a factor, but the mental part of, of, of leading these games over some of these games, we haven't mentioned the particulars of how they lost these games, but in many of them, they built leads, blew them, lost in overtime, had chances to win in regulation. And I think all of us, whether we're the the viewers of this podcast, I know they're not viewers or they're listeners or the, or the hosts of this podcast. (laughs) When, when you get tired and things start to go wrong, you expect more things to go wrong. And sometimes it's not that you need a good night's sleep or, or to take several days off or a vacation, but for just one thing to go right. And, and maybe if one thing's go, thing goes right, that can lift this mental burden that you have on you, this, this, this sense of this weariness. And maybe if they go on the road and, and beat somebody they're not supposed to beat, know they're not going to have that rest, know they're not going to have two days off in a row, basically for the, literally for the rest of the season, they're not going to have two days off, but maybe just that, that mental burden gets eased a little bit and things start to go well. So Uh, Wednesday's game is, is the game then at Denver. Wow. Denver looks good. I'm not putting all of it on one game. I'm just saying any one of these games coming up could be the start of something. And, and and I think Jeff's doom and gloom is more likely. I'm, (laughs) I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say that this definitely is going to happen. I'm just offering a theory as to how things could sort of turn around. You know, and it's, it's, it's a – go ahead. You want to hear a phrase never uttered before uh, in NBA history? Boy, we're sure. tired and worn out and mentally fatigued. We can't wait to get to Denver to play two games. Denver, who has not lost with Aaron Gordon yet. Maybe, yeah. maybe Lonnie Walker is the uh, Luke Skywalker slash – um, you know, reinforcements from from Goliad uh, or Gonzalez. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that'll do it. Man, you know, we're putting a lot on, on Lonnie Walker, who is you know is is an I okay know, player. I know. No, you're it's, right. It's a counterintuitive way to look at things, but this team has sort of been counterintuitive all year. They've been better, way better on the road than they have been at home. They they've looked better against good teams than bad teams. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Some of their more impressive games of the year have come against teams that are going to be in the running for the NBA title. And again, the 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 way out that I just described is low percentage. Like it's probably not going to happen. But if there is a way for this team just not to completely fall apart and to 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 plummet down the standings at the end, I, I think that that's one way out. You just, just get a shot of energy, a shot of, of, uh, optimism and, and build on that from there. But it's, it's, again, that's, that's the low percentage play. I'm not saying they're going to go winless the rest of the way or something, but it's just hard to envision them putting together some sort of, you know, 
great stretch of wins that makes you feel good about about where you are. I mean, they they could certainly hold on and get into a play-in situation, but but it's it's I don't think it's going to be very pretty. I really don't. I, I agree. I agree with you, but I also I'll I'll go be so bold as to say this. I bet. Let's see. They played forty-eight games. There's still um, twenty-four to go. Um, and it's, during some stretch in there, they'll win four out of five. How about that? And and maybe there'll be stretches where they lose seven in a row. But I think there's still one more stretch in there when they where they kind of feel their oats and and uh, and play well for a stretch. And and the key will be to have more than one of those stretches or to extend it a little bit. Um, anyway, do do you think that's inconceivable that they could have a a four out of five, you know, five out of seven stretch in them, even as tough as the schedule is? I mean, anything yeah. can happen in the world. You know, lots of things could happen. Uh, so inconceivable, I guess not. I guess I'm it's looking not at inconceivable. It on, on paper, the yeah, on paper, the answer is no. Looking at it. Uh, yeah, there's a stretch at the end of the month where they play Detroit, um, Washington, and New Orleans. I think those th- those would be three winnable games. But then again, you yeah. just lost to Cleveland. I think that's the big, you know, loss in all of this, especially when it's 24 points. Is you know, you lost to Cleveland, and that's that just doesn't look good. The other the overtime losses, the Hawks are playing pretty well. The Pacers aren't a bad team. There were overtime losses, and then you're tired. But man, Cleveland just. That just stings because they're not they're not very good. Again, analyzing analyzing these types of things is is what we're supposed to do. Um, but so much about what this team has done already is kind of nonsensical. If, if you look, there was a terrible loss to to Utah early in the year when it looked like I mean, really early when things were totally going to fall apart and this was going to be a disastrous season. And they turn around and beat the Clippers and the Lakers back to back in Los Angeles. Like nobody saw that as their chance to get back. Um, in the flow. So I think there's going to be little stretches that thoroughly surprise everybody. Yeah. Maybe I'm naive. Yeah. I kind of picture you. Of the, uh, maybe, maybe if they get a win over there. Yeah. I kind of picture you as the, the dog in that meme with the, uh, with the house on fire behind him saying, this is fine. Is it, well, it kind of is. This is what, this is not a team that we all expected to, um, compete for a title or even, I don't know if any of us predicted that they would make the actual playoffs this year. So it's not like, it's not like everything is falling apart. The, the house is on fire. And I'm sitting here saying that the house is not on fire. I, I, I would argue that any, any playoff games they play in playing this year, if they do play in games would be a pleasant surprise. This year was not supposed to be about that. And if they end up, plummeting to 12th place and get a lottery pick. Like that's kind of part of the plan, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that declaring this a disaster or that all is lost oh, is uh, not, not for nothing. But if you want to go back through the archives of this podcast before we, uh-huh. before we uh, even played a game this year, I think uh, you got some idiot, probably you asked me what I thought, you know, of the team this year or how they, I thought I said, I thought they could be the worst team in the Western conference. And I was kind of being, being hyperbolic, but I did not have super high hopes yep. for this team making a playoff run. So when they were sitting there in sixth, uh, nine, two weeks ago, I, I, I that was, I thought that was really impressive. So uh, you, you, know, you are correct in that any extra games they play this year are gravy. 
I believe the way it works is if you, it, I, I believe the way it works is if you make the play-in but don't make the playoffs, you are in the lottery. Yeah, correct. So maybe that's the best case scenario. You get the extra game, the extra experience, but you also get the lottery pick. Sure, and as as you pointed out, that play-in is not a guarantee, um, and and actually might not even be considered likely now. Now, now I also should acknowledge that there were moments on this podcast, what four weeks ago, before all of this sort of fell apart where it was stated on here that it looks really likely that, that the top 10 spot is, is, is going to happen. And that doesn't look that way anymore. So there has been a sense of disappointment in that things aren't going like they, they look like they were going when, when, when the Spurs were playing well. Um, but we we said to start out. This is a, this is kind of a, a fringe team. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. And this is one of those down moments. We'll see if uh, if things turn around. Right. You want to talk about all the rotation tweaks Pop should make to fix this? Do we have that much time left? What this this gets so confusing because in in the span of a single night, you can hear that this team is terrible. Why are they even trying to win anyway? you know, tank for the best possible pick you can get, which by the way, the NBA's rule changes kind of discourage tanking now anyway. That's a bad approach. But then also, oh, they should make these changes to the rotation so they could win these games. And then also, like, some people want to play more of the young guys to get them playing time for the future. And then some guys are all about well we need to be trying to beat cleveland all of these theories kind of butt heads with each other and i'm not sure there's a consistency to the complaining if that makes any sense well i think people think playing the young guys will also result in beating cleveland but also my question is what young guys at this point are you just talking about luca because all the other young guys are in the rotation <laughs> and playing or are, are, are we go all in on we need to be playing quindary weatherspoon and jones right now is that what they're Trey saying? Jones. That's what I don't understand. I try not to um, obsess too much about all of those suggestions because there's just it. I don't know. Um, like you is this is me stuttering here. Is 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 more Luca? What does more Luca get you? Like Luca, I think is playing an adequate number of minutes. Like he's getting time. He's not just withering away on the bench. Um, Nah, most I mean, years. I, I don't. Go ahead. I, well, Pop said he was going to play Luca after that one game, and then like didn't for three or four, and then he started uh-huh. him against Cleveland because Dejounte Murray was out. But I'm not sure if he's going to. I mean, I'm you know. If so you, this is my point. What, like, what is playing what Luka that get you? you? It gets you more time for Luca. It gets you. It gets Luca some uh-huh. experience. That's what it gets. You in the end of story, uh-huh. and is that is that is that a, that's a good thing? I guess I don't know. I don't know. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just asking this, a question. The, the, this goes back to the, the discussions we've had for years about name your young guy. And next year it'll be um, someone else. And next year it'll be somebody else. Um, you know, just, just playing time doesn't magically make you better. And I know this repeats what we've said on here for years, but the Spurs, have a, the Spurs develop young players as well as any franchise in the league. I don't think that's hyperbole to say. And part of it is guys kind of have to earn their playing time and put in the work outside of games. And 
you know, that's worked for everybody from DeJounte Murray to Derek White to, um, you know, Kelvin Johnson. Kelvin all, Johnson. All, of them have, all of them have done well through this, Lonnie Walker. And uh, to say, oh, you just throw Luke out there and, and more minutes equals better Luca, that doesn't necessarily work. And I think last night, the, the Cleveland game was kind of exhibit A there. Luca got his playing time. Um, you still lost to one of the worst teams in the league. And I'm not sure that that playing time for Luca is going to mean that he's going to be an all-star next year. I don't know. Yeah, was- I, I just don't. What, what annoys me is just, Oh, pop obviously should do this. Oh, the Spurs obviously should do this. And factor X, Y, Z will be better. Like there's not any, and, and this, it's the same reason that people get upset with you for quote unquote, making excuses. You're just there's there seems to be an explanation or rationale for every move they make, and it's okay to disagree with them. But I mean, I'm just not eager to say the brain trust here is idiots and they're totally screwing this up. And why can't they see they should be doing X, Y, or Z? Um, the Spurs are kind of who they are now, right? Hey, that was some pretty good analysis, which is surprising from you. Could you tell our our uh, viewers where they could get more such analysis? What I'm enjoying in, about these recent podcasts is that uh, my fellow podcasters are, are orchestrating some great segues into my promotional stuff. I used to have, have to do this on my own. And now both Ringo and Hello. the polarizing Jeff McDonald have given me great segues into the great deals at expressnews.com where the listeners of this podcast can, can subscribe um, for, for very reasonable uh, uh, amounts of money hardly any money at all when you consider everything they get out of it i mean not just spurs coverage but nick talbot's staff covers all of the sporting scene here in south texas you have the coverage of uh of of the city of politics of just everything going on in our our region it's it's a great deal and also at expressnews.com you can sign up for the spurs nation newsletter that will send all of Tom and Jeff's stuff to your inbox every day. And I, I thank Jeff for pointing that out. You're, you're getting well, a little help from your friends, Mike. That's true. <laughs> Ringo. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Ringo. Um, so it was a good segue. Also, you like go the segue? Ahead. You like I the did. segue? It was very good. Was it, a, you mean a segue like the, those little scooters that people used to uh, ride around on? Segway <laughs> without, when you, when you use the word segue, 30 seconds ago, I would have bet my entire life savings that you were going to make a scooter joke. It's my favorite. Like, there was no doubt in my well, it mind. It reminds me of my favorite Boris yeah. Diaw story. Well, not favorite. It's probably not even top 10, actually, because that guy was amazing. But when he played in Charlotte, he lived like a block from the arena and still rode a scooter, a uh, Segway to work and back. That's one of my favorite Boris yes. factoids. When I covered the San Antonio Saints in the Alamo Dome, however many years, many years ago, Tom Orsborn was there. The Aaron Brooks, the players there, rode segways from the parking lot to the locker room. It was it was quite a thing. Um, <laughs> well, that was a good segue. Anyway, segue. The, the, the other the other promotional stuff is go uh, and rate this podcast and write reviews. Enjoying those, uh, send us more um, suggestions for does Jeff know. Hopefully not with Star Wars because he does not know it. And um, we are wrapping up here, so we're going to end on a high note. Things might not fall apart for your local cagers. They might not be the worst team in the league over the last few months. There's a, there's a chance that thing might go, things might go badly. There's a things, chance that 
Things might go well. You never know. It's unpredictable, just like life. So because life is unpredictable, the thing you need to do as viewers and as listeners is to take care of each other and keep it real. 